the scripture reading is Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity of covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. All right, thanks, Sam. Uh, nice work. Um, well, hey, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a vision series. And at Redeemer City, our vision is to see our city renewed by the gospel. And we've been in this letter to the Ephesians. And the first couple of weeks, we saw that this gospel is not advice. The gospel is not advice on how to live. The gospel is news about what God is going to do and is doing in restoring this world from disharmony to harmony. And we've learned week in, week out, that that mystery that's been revealed is that Christ, he is the one who's come to do that work through his life, death, and resurrection. And last week, we, we pivoted because Paul pivots in this letter. And Paul begins to unpack if this is true, if this is what God has done in Christ through his life, death, and resurrection, then the gospel is not merely something to be believed, but it's actually something to be lived. And last week, we saw that the way that's lived out in one area is in our relationships with one another. We saw that last week. But this week, Paul says, now, if you've been rescued... If you've been made alive with Christ, then that absolutely transforms how you live in the world. And to summarize it, Paul, in in Ephesians 5, he says this in verses 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So I know we've got some kids here in the service all right, kids, do, do any of you have night lights? No? Okay. I, no one's going to fess up to that, right? No. Any adults have night lights? Anyway, no one's going to say that. <laughs> yes, okay, some do. Um, <clears throat> or put, put it this way a little over a year ago, um, my son Sam had just read. We, were, um, we went to a 21 Pilots concert, it was a blast. 
And if you've ever been to a concert or you've seen one, you, I mean, you know what happens in the middle of a concert, right? There's always a moment where, you know, lights are down and they get out their phones, right? Everybody gets out their phone, they put their lights on, and, you know, the whole stadium is just filled with lights, right? As Paul writes this, and he says, as children of light, walk as children of light, he's saying this, in a dark world, that is to be the church, In other words, how we live in this world is to be distinct. And Paul tells us four things about this call. He tells us the challenge of walking as children of light. He shows us the pattern of what it means to walk as a child of light. Thirdly, he shows us the effect of what it does in this world. And then fourthly, he gives us the power how to do it. So let me pray, and we'll, we'll get into the passage. Father, this morning, um, we pray for your help and your assistance. We thank you for your scriptures, which reveal uh, this great mystery about your son, Jesus. And we pray simply that this morning you would transform us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, well, first the challenge Um, We see it right away in verses 3 to 5. Look at it with me for a moment. Paul writes this, "But, But sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. One of the things you immediately recognize in this first section is Paul mentions some things that should be different about the children of light. What they do with their bodies, what they do with their speech, what they do with their money and resources. And the very notion that Paul has to mention it here suggests this, that oftentimes people who are children of light still walk in darkness. Now, as you think about this opening section, you might think, okay, well, this is just a list of things not to do and things to do. This is a list of ethics and morals. And that is for sure true, but there's something deeper in this passage that we have to understand that's going on if we're ever going to live it out. And it's in verse 5. As Paul mentions lines about being sexual, moral, or covetous, he mentions this word, idolatry. And the term idolatry, it means simply this. It means loving something in this world more than God. And in short, I'll just put it this way. No matter where you're at this morning, religious, non-religious, Paul is submitting to you that everyone here is a worshiper. Then that all of us have one thing in common. That is, we look at our life, we look out in this world, and we think, okay, what's going to make us happy? And we attach our lives fundamentally to that thing. And that's what drives us. And sin, the root of every sin, is a function of putting something more important than God in place. And sometimes it's control, sometimes it's power, sometimes it's comfort. We take things like money or sex or relationships or politics, and these are the instruments 
that we use to build our lives on. So just on a a brief note, if you're not a Christian this morning, uh, the scriptures are simply saying this, you're not free. You're serving something. You're serving somebody. But also please note, if you're a Christian and you're a child of light, it means this, although you've been set free, there is a battle for the loyalty of your heart and my heart as we live in this world. In other words, the fundamental question tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. or at 3 p.m. is simply this, who will you and I serve? Who will we serve? Let me illustrate this. Paul mentions speech in verse 4. He says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. So just imagine with me, excuse me, imagine with me that you you know, you walk into the locker room or you're among your peers and coworkers at a happy hour and there's just some stuff flying around that's foolish, that's crude. At that moment, the question is, who will you serve? Will you serve the God of the approval of others, which is very alluring? You want to fit in? And therefore, you hop in the conversation just like everybody else. Or will you walk as one who has been called out of darkness and is now a child of light? You know, in this section, it's really interesting because Paul knows this is such a challenge that there are some really stark warnings. You know, Paul writes, everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or whose covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And Paul is not saying that there's not room for repentance and forgiveness, but rather Paul is saying this, if you live consistently and unrepentantly in these patterns, there is a destiny, and it's not with Christ. And the reason why Paul is saying these stark warnings is, is out of love. You know, it's like a It's like a parent who looks at the end of the driveway and sees this two-year-old about to walk into the street. And what do you do? You just start yelling. You start, you just stop. Don't do it. Why? Because you, you love them. That's what Paul is doing here. So, Right off the bat, the the challenge we have to recognize is this, is that for you and for me, as we walk in this world as children of light, there's always this battle for loyalty. And it's a battle that goes deep down into your heart. Who will you serve? And the stakes could not be higher. And Paul is saying, I want you to walk in accordance of who you are. But secondly, Paul shows us the pattern. Uh, Think about this with me for a moment. When Paul says this language of walking as a child of light, he's talking about this moment-by-moment living. You know, it's it's not merely something reserved to a couple hours on a Sunday. It's not merely something another couple hours in the week. He's talking about who you are when no one is around. And he's calling these Christians to walk in who they are consistently with an integrated life. And Paul shows two things. He shows them the pattern and he shows them the scope of that pattern. So look with me at the pattern of verses 1 and 2. 
Paul says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So notice this, Paul says to walk as a child of light means to walk in love. And Paul is very clear about the kind of love. It's the kind of love that Jesus has for you, who has given himself for you, who is a servant, who is other-centered, who offers himself up first to God before he even thinks about himself. That's the pattern. You know, one of the most notable things about the history of the early church is how different they lived. Um, Let me mention five ways. Firstly, the the early church was multi-ethnic. They mixed races, classes that weren't together in the Roman culture. Secondly, they had a deep concern for the poor. And not only those who were Christian, but for those who were of other faiths. Thirdly, They were against abortion and infanticide. They would go to the dump where little girls would be put because they weren't of any value in that culture. And they would take them off the dump and they would raise them as their own. Fourthly, they were a sexual counterculture. In that day when husbands was acceptable to have not only a wife but multiple other partners, they called Christian husbands to fidelity. And fifthly, when they were persecuted were mistreated, they were non-retaliatory. That's how they lived. And I want you to notice something. Each one of those is this pattern. Think about it with me for a moment. They put down their superiority to other races or classes because they knew that ultimately in the gospel, they were equally lost as anybody else, and they were equally loved as anybody else. Secondly, they walked in love with their resources. They saw needs around them, like the warm winters thing, and they gave. They walked in love as they sought to protect and provide for the vulnerable. They walked in love as they would not give themselves physically, sexually, unless they would give themselves economically, legally, And emotionally, all of that in one, exclusively to one. And they walked in love towards their enemies, for they knew that they once had been God's enemies, but now because of Christ, they were in the family. Therefore, they didn't return evil for evil. One of the things that Tim Keller points out about these five distinct ways is how in that day and age, it was a category-defined social project. And, and think about this for a moment. Think in our day about what would it look like if the church actually lived like this? Because think about this for a moment. The first two things are politically more liberal values. Diversity, a concern for the poor. The, the, the next two things are more conservative. Against abortion, sexual counterculture, those are conservative things. But notice the Christians were both of those things. And then fifthly, they were non-retaliatory, which is not any political party, right? Do you see the pattern? 
do you see the costly, other-centered, servant love that marked their lives? And friends, that is, listen, that is, that is why, that is one of the primary reasons why the good news of Jesus spread so fast because of how differently they lived. Paul also mentions one thing else about the scope of this walking. Look with me at verses 15 and 16. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You know, it's really clear in the first section, as Paul talks about the sexual ethic, or he talks about our words, those are commands. Those are things that God's revealed. But when Paul starts talking about wisdom, that's talking about areas of life where actually there aren't commands. In other words, he's talking about being competent and skillful in a very complex world about how you live wisely. In other words, things like, well, should I marry so-and-so? There's no necessarily a command in Scripture about that. Or how about this? Do I take this job or that job? Or how about this? You're in a relationship with someone and there's a little bit of friction. Do you, do you confront them now or do you wait? All those things. All those things take wisdom. And Paul is saying, do you see, you have to think this out deeply in all of your life, every aspect, not just the things you know that you should or shouldn't do, but actually in the very things you, you, there's actually no clarity in Scripture, but you know God so well and you have community around you that know you well, that, that you have wisdom to live it out. Think about this way for a moment. Paul gets specific here. He says, make the best use of your time. Paul's saying, get out your calendars Think about it. How are you going to structure your lives? You know, um, think about this as a city group, for example. How do you structure your rhythms in such a way where you can make the best use of your time as a community sent out to live on mission? Think for a moment if you're a teenager or if you're single or if you're a family. And think about in these categories. Think about how do I live up? How do I live in and how do I live out? In other words, what do I need to do right now in my time cultivating my relationship with God? Because that's how you grow in wisdom. How am I being intentional with my time there? How about living in? Who around me? Not just maybe for a few minutes after the service, but who around me could I actually reach out to and invest in? One of the things... um, our family uh, did a while back, we, we, we stepped back into it, is we, we've written out um, <clears throat> a covenant, and we, we spell out the gospel in, in, in the front of it, and we have written out how we want to live in light of it in our relationships with one another and with others. And um, we'll just sit around once or twice a month, and we'll say, hey, how, how are we doing? And where do we need to grow? And so recently we've been thinking about focusing on living out, We've been trying to do this more intentionally. And so we're just thinking about October. How do we do as a family? And let me tell you what, I don't, I'm just letting the kids figure it out. This is a group project and we're trying to lean into it. That's one thing. But do do you see for a moment, do you see the collective pattern that Paul is calling 
the church to. The children of light means to walk with a sacrificial, servant, costly love, and one that is the entire scope of your life. All right, thirdly, the effect of this. Look at verses 12 to 14. Paul says, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, one of the things that is supposed to happen, that does happen, when you walk as children of light, is it exposes the darkness. It shows, as one pastor put it, the inadequacy and the evil that is in the world. And it's not the kind of exposing that somehow delights in judging or condemning the world, but it's the kind of living that both in its message, and this is important, its methods reflects the character and the nature of Christ. And one of the interesting points about this is that last poetic stanza where it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Most commentaries suggest this, that what happens when this new humanity lives as children of light, lives distinctly, is that some see it, and some say, I want that. They see the beauty of that life, and they say, there's something different. You know, um, recently I was... um, actually talking to one of our candidates for the Associate of Pastoral um, Outreach. And one of the things we found out about his life um, was for a while he worked uh, as a manager at a large restaurant chain, pizza restaurant chain. And um, those workers, there was a couple of them that just went up to him and said, why are you so different They said, why, why don't you get ticked at us? Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's reasons to be ticked at them, right? And see, that's, do you see for a moment that love right there? Because what is, what is he demonstrating? He's demonstrating a patient love in the midst of that. And they saw something in him that they had not seen in others. And they wanted it. That's the picture. As you're living as a child of light in this world, that others would look in at the collective community and say, I don't get it. Why are these people so weird in the best way possible? That's the effect. All right, lastly, the power. You know, I don't know about you, but you go to a passage like this and You see the challenge that's there. You see the path, the pattern, excuse me, and it's just daunting. We've seen the effect it has. And you've got to be thinking this, how how do you pull it off? Like, how do you live differently in this world? Well, Paul, at the end of the passage, gives us the source of the power. Look at verse 18. He says, For do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Paul says this, the power to live distinctly is actually not you. 
It's something in you. Now, this should be really good news. Because in a sense, if you're at this point saying, I can't do this, it's exactly where you should be. But notice Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And that means this. It means to be directed and to be empowered by the Spirit, to live it out. And what's interesting here is Paul contrasts it with being drunk, right? I love it when texts are so like, this is helpful to Madison, right? Um, it, what's going on? Why is Paul contrasting being filled with the Spirit versus being you know, filled with, with wine or craft beer or whatever it is, right? Paul is saying this. He's saying when you're under the influence of something else, you're controlled by something else, it usually gives you more courage. And Paul is saying, don't be controlled by the former, be controlled by the latter. When the Spirit of God is directing and empowering the Christian, it leads to the Spirit producing joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. So here's a question. How do you get the filling? Because it's a command. And there's a lot of things that could be said here, a lot of things that should be said here. But we only have so much time, and I want to stick to this passage here specifically. Um, It's really interesting. The dominant theme around the section of being filled with the Spirit has to do with worship. Look at verse 19. Right after being filled with the Spirit, Paul says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So what's the tie like, what, what does worship have to do with being filled with the Spirit? What's going on here? Well, let me put it this way. There's a, there's a moment in, in John's Gospel where Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit, says this. Jesus says, He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me. And J.I. Packer, he describes the work of the Spirit as a floodlight ministry. In other words, think about it this way. You could stand anywhere in Madison tonight, and if you look towards the center of the city, what do you see? You see the Capitol Dome, right? It's all lit up. And listen, no one, if you did that tonight, no one would look at the Capitol Dome, at that thing, and go like, those lights are amazing. No, right? The lights are pointing to the architecture and the beauty of this building and this structure, In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit is to show us the beauty of Christ and who he is and what he's done. And worship is actually a way where the truth that we know in our head gets moved into our heart, where it captures our imagination. And think about it with me, because this tells us something. Because when we think about the challenge, how the battle is for the loyalty of your heart and my heart as we live in this world, You know what this means? Thomas Chalmers put it this way, the only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is the expulsive power of a new one. And what Chalmers was saying in like plain speak is if you've got a dog and he's got a bone and you want the bone and you can't get it out of his mouth, you just bring him a steak. Right? That's what you do. In other words... Friends, do you understand what this is saying? 
how do you change? You've got to see that everything you run after when you're struggling to walk in purity and sexually, when you're struggling with your words and not complaining but actually rejoicing, you've got to understand all of that is rooted in seeing the beauty of Christ. And listen, if that is strange language to you, if that's strange, it sounds weird to say beauty about Christ. Listen, stick around. We're going to sing some more. We're going to gather each week and we're going to hear about who Christ is and what he's done because we've got to be captivated by it. Vaclav Havel, who was the president of Czechoslovakia at the time which communism was overthrown, and it was actually done in a nonviolent way, and they asked him, how did it happen? And he said this, we had our parallel society, and in that parallel society we wrote our plays and we sang our songs and we read our poems till we knew the truth so well that we could go out in the streets of Prague and say, we don't believe your lies anymore. And communism had to fall. In other words, what Paul is saying here, to be filled with the Spirit, it means to be so caught up in the beauty of Christ that as you go out in the streets of Madison, you know the truth so well that you don't believe the lies or the darkness anymore. And you live it out because of who you are, a child of light. Because don't you understand? Do you know how you became a child of light? Do you know how that happened? Because on the cross, darkness fell. It fell on Christ so that the light of Christ might shine on you. Therefore, live out of who you are and walk as children of light in a dark world. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that the beauty of your Son and what he's done for us and who he is um, would move from our heads to our hearts, that the, the, the patterns, the, the ways that we walk in darkness would be uprooted and that we would walk out of who we are. And we pray that by the work of your Spirit, you might fill us, that you might direct and empower us in ways where we would say, I could never live like that, but that's because you live within us. And we pray all of this so that others would see who you are and what you've done and the mystery would be unveiled to them as well, that Christ has come and that Christ has risen and that Christ will come again. Amen.